For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So welcome to a Wolf Among Wolves podcast. Um, I'm your host, Brendan Hedke, and you can find me on Twitter at bhedke underscore NBA. And you can find the a Wolf Among Wolves blog at AWAW blog. And I'm here today with Lucas Seehofer. Lucas, you want to introduce yourself? Hey, yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Sports Kinematics. Um, I mostly write about athlete health, um, wellness, performance, that kind of stuff. But I also am um, a contributor to A Wolf Among Wolves, have been for, geez, I can't even remember how many years now, probably three or three years. So it's kind of the, the quick and dirty of, of it. Are you pretty excited about what's going on with our new relaunch and everything coming on May 4th? Yeah, yeah. I, kind of since we got a peek behind the scenes, able to, to see what the site's going to look like and all that stuff, it looks like it's going to be uh, pretty new and exciting. Uh, you know, the, the Wolf Among Wolves old website had been around since, you know, even before Ricky Rubio was around. So it's always nice to get kind of a, a refresh on things. I like using Rubio as a timeline. <laughs> yeah. Mark, you know. Exactly. But yeah, so the site's going to look awesome. We did get a sneak peek. We haven't seen everything yet, but we are excited. So this episode will be dropping the day that the website relaunches. So that'll be coming out on Monday. Um, but today's episode, we're just get, basically going to talk mostly about Malik Beasley's contact, contract situation, everything like that. And then we'll talk a little bit about Lucas's favorite draft prospects and everything. But so as we know, Malik Beasley quick played 14 games for the Timberwolves before the season was suspended. And he had per 36 stats of 22 and a half points, five and a half rebounds, two assists, shot 52% from two and 42% from three. So what do you think about what you saw from Malik overall? Yeah. You know, I think, um, when the Wolves acquired him from Denver to begin with, I was, um, you know, encouraged by the, uh, by the transaction, just because Malik Beasley is the type of player that you want to take a flyer on if you're the Timberwolves, um, because they traded him or traded for him while he was still on his rookie contract, the Timberwolves now have his bird rights. Uh, so for those of you who don't know what that basically means that the Wolves can go over uh, the salary cap to resign him. Um, and then because he's on, uh, or he'll be a restricted free agent, basically the Wolves have the right of first refusal. So if a team offers Beasley, say, you know, a max contract, the, the Timberwolves can basically say, yeah, we, we want to resign him to that. And even if it goes out over um, the salary cap, they can say yes, or they also have the opportunity to say no. Um, I don't think he'll get a max offer, but I that's kind that. of the <laughs> – yeah, yeah, exactly. Essentially, kind of the, essentially the Wolves in that manner have basically all the leverage in – the contract negotiations. The only yep. thing is Beasley is um, his management agency is uh, Clutch Sports, like Rich Paul, 
no, that group is known for getting really big contracts for people that may not deserve them or things like mm -hmm. that. So they're really good negotiating. So that might drive his value up some, but the market seems pretty depleted this summer considering mm -hmm. there's not a lot of big free agents. Everybody's kind of gearing up for that 2021 free agency mm -hmm. when like Giannis and those guys come off the books and are available. So I don't foresee him getting too big a contract. And the one thing I think is interesting is with a restricted free agent, they can't sign a one-year deal with another team. So mm -hmm. like say the Knicks has been thrown out there that they might just throw them a contract for like 20 million one year, but it's mm -hmm. not possible considering that he's a restricted free agent, which helps a lot too. The Knicks always want to be players. So I think they're kind of out of it considering they'll probably want to save their money for like 2021 because they right. always think that they're signing that big name guy. Mm -hmm. So I don't perceive them really coming into play much. There's some other teams with cap space. Atlanta has some cap space, but they have like Kevin Herter, who I think they want to see rather than paying someone like Beasley. So I don't really see them coming in. Detroit has Luke Kennard. I don't see them coming in. Do you see any teams that maybe could come into play? You know, when it comes to free agency, there's always, um, you know, one or two surprise teams that come on. But I think uh, kind of the, what you outlined before with free agency next summer potentially being a lot more impactful in terms of team success than this summer. Also, you know, depending on how the rest of the season plays out or doesn't play out, the, the league and the, the owners could be at stake to, to lose a lot of money. So I think that just is a, another card in the hand of the Timberwolves to say, basically, you know, there's probably not going to be many teams that are going to go throw a ton of money at them. Uh, the Wolves can bring them back to go over the salary cap if they need to. They can refuse a contract if they need to. Uh, teams are probably not going to be spending because of the COVID-19 situation. I just, it, it seems like all the factors kind of line up for uh, Beasley returning to the Wolves, especially because it seems to, of all the players that um, they traded for, he seems to be the one that, um, you know, you look at like a John Krasinski for the athletic uh, seems to be putting things out there in, in stories that he's written for the website and on tweets like, hey, that the Wolves really like Beasley. So I just find it really hard to believe that he won't be on the roster next season. Yeah, and I tend to agree with you. I think he was that centerpiece of our Robert Covington trade, which I personally questioned the Robert Covington trade initially in the first couple hours. But then after looking it over, looking at what Beasley did when he got the opportunity in Denver, and I wrote a whole piece about that with Duncan with Wolves a couple months ago. But basically, when he gets the opportunity, he shows what he's worth. So mm -hmm. I tended, I liked it a little bit more. And then we got Wancho and everything. So I now like the situation. I like that we have uh, bird rights on both those two, as well as the opportunity to match any contract offer that they get. Mm -hmm. But Beasley's play over the time that he spent with the Wolves has been really encouraging. He mm -hmm. shot the ball really well. He's attacked well. And he's not someone that's usage rate is super high. He's more of a spot-up shooter come off screens rather than a size someone up and, you know, shoot more like D'Angelo Russell. So it still gives Russell and Towns the opportunity to really handle the ball and facilitate and everything like that. Do you mm -hmm. think his play fits in well with what the Wolves are bringing with Russell and Towns? Or do you see, like, disparities that might not work out? No, I think I think for now uh, he definitely fits the mold that that Rosas and and Saunders seem to be trying to pursue. You know, Rosas coming over from Houston, you can see that the that their style of play has definitely influenced the moves that he made during you know uh, free agency and during the trade deadline. Um, basically, you know it, what it seems like Rosas wants are people that can shoot. Um, 
from beyond the arc for sure. And then um, just kind of just have a, have a talent to them. It, it seems like the, their goal with that trade was let's amass as much talent as we can, as much shooting as we can, and then let everything else kind of figure itself out as, as it goes. Uh, so kind of like how, you know, I think Beasley has a 100% chance of, of coming back to the Wolves next year. I think kind of like what you mentioned before with Juancho, um, he's really kind of that stretch for mold uh, that I think um, Rosas and, and Saunders really covet. I don't think he's a great long-term fit next to Towns, but also he's not going to be a starter long-term. I don't think his, his, his best uh, ability is to, to come off the bench and kind of be, um, you know, kind of that bench depth. So I think uh, there's a really good chance that he'll be back next year as well. Um, you know, probably a, a fairly cheap contract, but if you can get quality shooting from the four on a pretty cheap contract, I mean, that's, that's really good value for the Wolves. It's, it's crazy how quick everything changed. It went from the Wolves are one of the worst shooting teams in like NBA history. We've never been a good three point shooting team. So all of a sudden you have good shooting at your point guard and Russell easily as your shooting guard. And then also your power forward Wancho was shooting really well for us. His numbers were down in Denver, but for us, he shot well. And then the best shooting big in towns. So now we're looking at a team that might be one of the better shooting teams in the league. I mean, they made 26 threes against the Clippers, like, Mm-hmm. They show they have the firepower now, which fits the system that they want to run a lot better than the people we shipped out at the trade deadline. So I think the moves made were definitely beneficial. What's your mm-hmm. outlook on Beasley as like where he could be like, so, you know, you always hear like, can that guy be the second best player on a championship team? Mm-hmm. What do you think Beasley, can he be the third best player? Do you think he has to be like the fourth best player? Yeah, I think his ideal role on a championship level team would be um, six man, come off the bench, score a lot of buckets, kind of bring some tenacity. Um, You know, I don't think he's going to be a star by any means, but he's definitely the type of player that you want um, in terms of uh, attitude and skill set and kind of because I think he also knows like, yes, he wants to go out and show. Denver you know everybody that he's better than what they thought he was but also I think he realizes that he's not on the level of a Towns or a Russell Uh, so I don't see him um, you know having attitude issues in that way I think in an ideal world you'd have him be kind of the first guard off the bench can handle the ball a little bit if need to but also you know um, he's he's a little bit better than the just the the, the go in the corner and shoot the three kind of specialist kind of player and my vision, we didn't, we saw it a lot was where with the rotation, we saw Russell or Beasley on the floor almost at all times. Mm-hmm. Even if they weren't sharing the floor all the time, we saw them, you know, they both provide, they could both be like 18, 20 something point per game scorers in the league. And so maybe when you get a better power forward and you find you're starting small forward, maybe he is better coming off the bench. So there's enough points to be had for him in that Mm -hmm. super six man role rather than you know as a starter but we would have to find a starter to fit that role in this draft or maybe through a trade or something but we know that Rosas will always be looking for those types of options and everything like that yeah and I think they kind of consider or at least they did when they drafted him consider Culver to kind of fit in that mold where um where you have, let's say you start uh, Russell, 
you bring Beasley off the bench and then Culver kind of fits in. So there's always one player who is kind of a dynamic wing player uh, who can handle the ball at a time. Um, I, I think that's kind of where they, where they see Jared Culver's role kind of being, you know, in the, in the shade of a um, Evan Turner type. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think they, they definitely need to, and we saw a little bit more of it uh, towards the end there before the, before the season shut down, but a little bit more consistency from Culver. But I think that's, that's kind of their goal that they're going for when they envision something is, you know, I think from the get go, they always thought that Russell would end up on the team. So you have a, a three point shooter dynamic score in Russell who can handle the ball. You have a Beasley who's kind of, uh, a light version of that coming off the bench and then that Culver who can kind of uh, be this amorphous figure on the court who can, you know, slot in at the wing and be a, you know, a threat from deep, you know, in an ideal world. Yeah. Or, he, yeah, or he can be a, a you know, a, the on ball most of the time, if need be also a really good uh, defender. I think that's kind of what they were going for that. And that's what their vision was now, uh, whether that'll play out is to be seen. Yeah, for sure. Do you, how do you vision Malik Beasley's defense? Because we heard the rumors coming from, maybe there weren't even rumors, it was like statistics, that he wasn't a good defender in Denver. So I came over, I didn't expect much, but what I did see from him was actually pretty encouraging. I think he has a high motor. He has kind of somewhat of that Kobe-like Mamba mentality where he's like going to outwork you like no matter what, even if he's not as gifted. So yeah. I think... I think someone that works that hard is going to be at least a serviceable defender. And what I saw from him showed that. And I think he could mold into being even a above average defender after he develops a little bit. Yeah. I think, I think defense is such a difficult thing to evaluate uh, one because um, it's a lot, there, there's not a whole lot that you can track numbers wise. I think, you know, that's been, been talked to death by and, a lot of the and numbers are very, dependent on who's around you and when you have right. towns anchoring the middle and then russell mm -hmm. being your point guard he's the numbers are going to look bad because right. he's surrounded by bad defenders so right yeah and i and i think that there are very few truly elite or even truly good one-on-one -on -one defenders uh, in the nba um so i think uh, the question should be can beasley be a member of a you know let's say a top 10 defense in the league right. um I don't, I didn't see anything that would tell me no, that he would be, you know, an obvious negative while he's on the floor. I think like a, like a Jamal Crawford, right. uh, where it was like, yeah, maybe he brings some good things on offense, but his deficiencies on defense totally neutralize it. I don't think Beasley's that type of player, you know, is he going to be world renowned for his defense? No, but um, is he going to actively hurt the Wolves? I don't, I don't think so. Right. And I agree with you there. I, even if he's not, even if his worst is a below average defender, like slightly below, mm -hmm. it's not going to totally hinder the overall like net rating because of how much he provides offensively too. And right. I think that's an important thing too, is looking at mm -hmm. how much they provide on both ends of the floor. Maybe it's not a ton defensively, but when it's so much offensively, that's someone you want to have on the mm -hmm. floor for 30 minutes a game. And I right. think that's the type of six man that Beasley would be if that's his role is still getting 28, 30 minutes a game off the bench. Right. So it sounds like we both want Beasley back and we're both pretty confident that he's going to come back. Mm -hmm. But what do you think the, the contract situation will look like? What is your mm -hmm. estimated value? And like maybe what you would be willing to spend, like what's the highest amount you would spend on him? 
Yeah, yeah. It's so tough to know because I don't we don't know for sure what the salary cap is going to be as far as I'm aware. Yeah, um, they, and, the projections are weird because of the coronavirus going around and the overall money that the NBA is bringing in. They're not mm-hmm. really sure. But it is important to note, too, that Beasley did turn down that three-year, $30 million offer from Denver before yep. the season. So yep. I, we're, we assume he's going to demand at least more than, like, $10 million. Yeah, yeah. I think um, looking at – well. He is, so he's only 23 years old. So he's, he's super young. Um, I think three years is probably the right amount of years. Um, if you're, if you're looking to offer him a contract. Um, so knowing the fact that he turned down three years, 30 million, um, I think, I think that's quite honestly, probably about right. I, you know, I think if he does go into uh, restricted free agency and tries to get offers from other teams, I would be hard pressed to believe that the offer would be more than three years, 30 to 45 at the absolute most. I don't think he showed enough in his short time with the Wolves for other teams to be like, Oh yeah, we have, have to have him on our team. So I think maybe in that 10 to $15 million range, but I, I would kind of be surprised if it was more than that. I wonder too, if him turning down the contract in Denver, maybe it didn't mean that he's going to demand much more than 10 million. Maybe it meant that he knows he could play more minutes elsewhere. And mm-hmm. with their locked up, like shooting guard, small forward rotation they have there with Gary Harris and like Will Barton and everybody that they have. Yep. Maybe there just wasn't that time. And he said, let me get somewhere else where I can play and show what I can do. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if he wants like a $2 million or two, two year deal around like, 10 million and Mm -hmm. then try and get a bigger contract after that, after he proves what he can do. But if I'm the wolves and what I've seen from him so far is realistic, I'm trying to get him on a three or four year contract. So we have him locked up Mm -hmm. and not too much money to have some financial flexibility. Personally, I'm guessing he'll be, he'll make between 12 and 16, probably closer to 12. The most I would consider giving him is probably like 18 and that's if you are very confident that what he has shown in the 14 games is who he is as a player. If he's going to be a 42% shooter scoring mm-hmm. like 18 a game, he might be worth 18 million, but I wouldn't go much more than that. Yeah. And the, the tough thing about him is like, yes, we, we've sung his praises the whole time on this, on this podcast, but uh, truth be told is, you know, if he's not what he, we saw in the 14 games with the Wolves, his skill set is one that's only going to become more and more prevalent. Right. So if his, if his demands go any more than kind of what we've already laid out, like, yeah, you can love everything about him, but just from a financial economical uh, point of view, it's just his skill set isn't unique enough to say, no, we can't let him go. Yeah. And as much as I like Beasley, you can find shooters that do what he does and, even with this next generation that's coming up, they grew up watching Steph Curry and mm-hmm. Ray Allen, all these guys, rather than watching like, you know, like Jordan and Bird, mm-hmm. where they're shooting like mid-range jump shots, everything like that. So mm-hmm. there's going to be more shooters. You see it every year. Everybody's developing a jump shot. Brooke Lopez went from never shooting threes to one of the best big man shooters. So it definitely, right. his skill set isn't going to be few and far between especially in the coming years. But he does fit that timeline 
that we've always talked about with that 22 to 25 year old range where Towns and Russell and everybody else is in there. So maybe they want to stick with that and try and do something in the next couple of years. And a rookie probably wouldn't provide what Beasley does yet. So maybe a three year deal, 12 million seems realistic. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a little, we'll see what the market looks like. He's going to set his own market as a restricted free agent, like we mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I think the Timberwolves will probably match anything up to like 16, 18 million. Yeah. If he somehow signs 20 million. I think you let him go and you find something else to replace him. Yeah, totally agree. So um, my other thing I wanted to talk about with Beasley was, do you believe that his like rebounding numbers are realistic because he was averaging like over four maybe five rebounds a game on the Wolves. And he's Mm -hmm. kind of undersized. Do you think that's something that's going to, you know, happen? Because with Towns out on the perimeter more, the rebounding is going to suffer a little bit and you need a little bit more rebounding from everybody else. Do you think that's something Beasley really provides? You know, I think it it depends on, ultimately it'll depend on what players he plays with the most. Um, You know, I think, a lot of times when it comes to rebounds, it's, um, you know, it, it's really a hustle stat. It's if you want to get the rebound, you get the rebound. Right. Uh, now with Towns out there, he's going to get the vast majority of the rebounds. Right. Um, I think, you know, I guess if your question is, is four or five rebounds a game, um, I think that's a, that's a definitely an achievable amount. Um, but I think it will depend on if the Wolves ultimately want him to achieve that, if that makes sense. Like, would you rather have Beasley, you know, stick around and try and get some of the long rebounds, or would you rather have him, you know, sprinting to the corner uh, or, you know, trying to get ready to, to be a threat on offense? That's that's a true point, too, and I think that's something that's going to kind of depend on, too, what type of power forward you have mm-hmm. in there. If you have someone like Wancho who's not a great rebounder for being a four, you're going to have to get a little bit more help from everywhere else. If Jared Vanderbilt develops into his potential, which I'm pretty high on Vanderbilt. I don't know your feelings yeah. on him, but he's an amazing rebounder. So if he can develop to be your starting four, then you don't need that rebounding from everywhere else because he's he has a nose for the ball. He's one of those guys that can rebound from basically anywhere he kind of just gets to the spot. Do you mm-hmm. – so speaking of Wancho – do you think that what do you think his contract situation will be? We didn't really plan on talking about that, but we can talk about it a little bit. Yeah, so I think I mean I think he's going to get much less than Beasley did. Um, first of all, uh, I believe he's older. I think he's like a year or two. I think he might be twenty four, twenty five, but I'm not sure. Yep, and and his skill set is just so much um, more limited, and and so and, and truthfully, so much more. You, you can find, uh, you know, stretch fours these days pretty, pretty easily. Yeah, he's 24 years old. Um, you know, it looks like his qualifying offer is, is just a hair over four and a half million. I, you know, I think, again, you know, the two to three year range is probably something they'll offer, you know, maybe in the, um, you know, six, seven. I would, let me put it this way. I'd be surprised if he got 10 million. An offer of ten million more, and uh, 
I think it depends if we bring him back more so on how much Beasley's offer is because we know we don't want to go into that luxury tax again. Mm-hmm. Because if we're trying to go to the playoffs and stuff, we might have to get into that luxury tax for the 2021-22 season. Yeah. And by the third year of luxury tax, the the penalty is so high that we Glenn Taylor likely would not even consider paying that. So I think you know, the luxury tax is important for this year. Yeah, and now, now that I think about it, again, kind of going back to what we were talking about before with all the factors going in the Wolves' favor for Beasley, they, I mean, the same thing applied to Wancho. I could, it, it could easily be that the Wolves extend him the qualifying offer and he just doesn't get any more offers, and then the Wolves go for a one-year, $4.5 million deal. And, right. and I think that would also give him more time to evaluate, you know, is he a player that they want to have around yeah. long term? We thought we would have another 20-some games of – or whatever it was left, 20 games of Wancho. But now we only had those 14 games. We don't really know for sure if his shooting sustains, anything like that. So I think best case scenario might be the qualifying offer for $4.5 million or whatever it is. But then you run the risk of he is what you thought he was. Now he's out there demanding $12, 13000000 million when he could assign him to a $7, 8000000 million deal for multiple years. Right. So I think the front office is smart enough to make the decisions that's overall going to be best mm-hmm. for the team. I haven't had the confidence to say that in all of my years watching <laughs> sports, so yep. we'll see. But I do think it would be nice to have Wancho back just because I think we want to see more of him. We yeah. traded for him for a reason. you know. Right. So, but what are your thoughts? I mentioned him earlier, but. Do you what do you do you have any thoughts about uh, Jared Vanderbilt at all and what he could possibly be? You know, I think he's a good project for sure. Um, anytime you can get an athletic, you know, big uh, for you know relatively cheap, and you know, he's kind of seemed like he was just kind of a throw-in and part of the deal as a as a wild card. But I think if you can get him, you can you should go get him and then see what he develops into. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be a star, but can he be a contributor? Um, you know, can he? kind of, you know, harness that energy to be, to be a rebounder, to be a defensive stopper, to be a rim runner. Um, I think that'd be awesome. And then if you can get anything more than that, I mean, that's just icing on the cake. And he facilitates the ball pretty well for, he's kind of like a point forward mold, like Mm -hmm. Ben Simmons, obviously not nearly as good as Ben Simmons, but that mold where he's six, nine can handle the ball, can pass the ball. Mm -hmm. And he's drawn comparisons to Pascal Siakam when Siakam was in the G league what he's in the G League and I don't think he'll ever get up to that level but I do think he could maybe get up to Siakam's level the year before he won most improved player Mm -hmm. and if you can have that guy coming off the bench in like that four role the -hmm. thing is he needs to develop a three-point shot to really play in this system I think and that so far hasn't shown so we'll see what happens with him but he's an intriguing prospect and I I'm glad he's here, and I'm glad we have a good G League system now that's running the same system that mm-hmm. we're running in Minnesota just so that we can really make those comparisons. And I think yep. that's what helped a lot of the G League guys like McLaughlin and Martin like contribute at the NBA level because they were running the same system. All right, so let's get into some a little bit of draft prospects. I did a big draft thing with Logan the other day or last week, but what do you – who are your favorite draft prospects and what, first off, let me ask you this. Do you think we're going to draft both first round picks or do you think we'll end up trading one of them? 
it is always always an option. Um, you know, the the Rosas is always said that they're going to be aggressive, so I, I have no reason to believe that they won't carry over to the draft as well. Um, ultimately, I think. You know, if they end up with a top three pick, I think it, it might be more likely that they do trade that that other pick um, rather than try to just amass talent. I think I think quite honestly for the, the, the position that the Wolves are in, um, I think it would be wisest to pick both picks um, just because uh, when you're a team like the Wolves, you can't um, – take the, I guess, the lack of overall talent, I guess, on the roster for, for granted. I think right. any way that you can get players that, that have any kind of talent, you got to get them and then worry about the fit. And on cheap, cheap contracts is an important thing too. You know, unless you're shipping out James Johnson with that contract with one of the picks, I think you don't want to be trading a pick for right. a guy that makes money. Right, exactly. The, the only bummer is that it's a, kind of the draft that – you know, maybe having two first-round picks isn't the most ideal, but you never know. You can always find a, find a diamond in the rough. Yeah, and like you said about pick, like trading a top three pick, realistically, I think the the players that I would want on the Timberwolves are going to be available at like the five, six, seven range. So why not trade that one, two, or three pick, get something else from someone, whether it's a future pick or a player of some sort that can provide off the bench or something, move back four or five spots, and then still select a guy that's going to help you, but also have another asset. And then you still have the 16th pick as well, which, you know, maybe they trade that one and keep the upper one. But for some reason, I like the 16th pick better than I like the top pick. I don't, the prospects there for me, I like better for some reason. Yeah, it seems like there's, you know, there's no consensus number one. There's no consensus necessarily top five, top ten. Um, so yeah, it'll, it's an interesting draft. It's a. It'll be interesting to see kind of how the Wolves approach it. Um, I think ultimately, kind of what I was saying before, the Wolves are in a position where I think you have to take best player available, no matter what. You know, even if that if they're is uh, is a point guard like you don't say oh we have D'Angelo Russell we don't need a point guard if Lonzo Ball's there you got to take or Lonzo if uh, yeah. if uh, Melo Ball is there you got to take you got to take yeah. him and then yeah. worry about it later. I agree with that too. Right now we're not in the position where we are drafting for need. We are drafting more so for best player available. Mm-hmm. So who do you who is your favorite prospect? If say we do get like the three, four, five, six picks somewhere in there. Yeah, so I think um, kind of the my my rules, my personal rules to go by when it comes to, to to the NBA draft is you take best player available and you take production over projection. Um, so I think if you look at players that could be taken in the top ten, um, I was actually looking at um, Sam Vecini, uh, who writes for the Athletic, his uh, um, kind of latest mock draft. Uh, and he had uh, the Wolves taking a Kongu from uh, the, the freshman from USC. I think he's the type of player that that would really be interesting um, because he not he's young. Uh, he had that production, uh, but he still does have a have a, a decent amount of projection to go along with that as well. Uh, you know, his height being under six ten maybe wouldn't be ideal for a center. Um, but that that being said, um, I think if you can if you can get him and slot him alongside Carl Anthony Towns, I think that would be um, 
would be a, a great fit. Uh, also, you know, I love the players like, uh, you know, well, I don't know about love, but uh, I think if, like I said before, if you can get ball, you got to go get ball. Um, I'd be intrigued by Obi Toppin uh, just because of what he did at Dayton. Um, again, the defense is kind of the issue. I, I'm very low on Obi Toppin. I think he moves – he doesn't move laterally quick enough for me. He's very stationary. So I don't see a too high of ceiling, and realistically, I don't know how high his floor is either. But a lot of people do have nice things to say about him. So I'm not going to say, like, he's going to be bad, but I'm not super high on top end. I do like ball, and you could run ball next to Russell, I think. So if you do get that second pick and say Edwards goes first, take ball. Or yep. if you get a good trade offer, trade it, but I would take balls. He's one of those guys where he could – have such high potential and become a star in the league. I mean, right. so that's a guy I like there too. Well, the only player that I don't really like both in long term and in the, as far as fit with the Wolves is James Wiseman. Um, okay. You know, but to he's, me, he's similar to Okongwu. So what, 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 what do you like about Okongwu that you don't like about I think, Wiseman? And I think I'm, it, I'm in the same boat as you, but I want to hear your, your mm-hmm. side of that. I, I think Okongwu has more, versatility um i think if you draft james wiseman you're saying he is the center yeah. uh, and i think carl anthony towns uh in terms of you know i know the game's getting more pos- positionless and whatnot yeah. but i think his most value is as the five yeah. um i think okongu would be able to um kind of fill in for towns's deficiencies more on uh, on the defensive side of the ball than wiseman would um, I, I look at Wiseman, and uh, again, I'm not a college sports uh, aficionado, so this might not be a, a great comparison, but I, I get the same vibes as like a DeAndre Ayton. Like, yeah, I would say stats, I feel but. like a Clint Capella is a decent mm-hmm. comparison. Wiseman's he's 7-1 too, and that's what I think really limits him to play center. Mm-hmm. Where Okongwu, um, I think he's, what, 6'9", 6'10", so he has a little bit more versatility to play outside, but he can still defend the rim, yep. things like that. So I like Okongwu more than I like Wiseman as well. Yeah, and the, the name that's kind of interesting, it seems like from what I've read and from what I've listened to on other podcasts, the, the, the kind of the, the people in the know are, are all over the place on, um, is, is Denny, I don't know. Denny Abdiya. Yeah, from, yeah. from over in Israel. I like, seems, he's, in, he's very intriguing. That's, what, that's the word I would use for him. Yeah, he seems like a more of a kind of like a, how I was saying before, he seems like more of a projection type. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like scouts either really love him or really don't see why he would be a top 10 pick. Um, so I don't know. I think it's, it's interesting. I think with a, when you look at the players that could be taken in the top 10, I guess, uh, you know, um, Isaac Okoro kind of goes along with this as well. As you can, they did enough where you're like, oh, if he, if he plays the way that he did during against Team X, you can see like, oh, he would be a very valuable player to be yeah. on the team. Um, but the, there was just either a lack of consistency or a lack of health, or um, you know, with Wiseman, a lack of games. Yeah. Um, it's just it seems like not only has maybe this this COVID nineteen uh, situation limited team's abilities to scout players but the players to begin with were were fairly flawed to begin with so it's just going to be a very interesting draft process and i think yes and i mentioned this on the last episode too with logan but 
not having March Madness is a big thing too, because a lot of people stock rises and falls through March Madness. Like we saw Tyus Jones stock like skyrocket on his final four run with Duke. And then you see people fall. So maybe you would have seen some of these prospects really do that. But then again, like Wiseman wasn't playing college ball anymore. Lamelo was overseas and Abdia was overseas. Plus Killian Hayes, who is like my favorite prospect. Mm-hmm. He's overseas. So a lot of these guys, we saw what we were going to see basically anyways. Right. So do you have anybody you like at that Brooklyn pick, say it falls 16, 17 something? Yeah, I think um, one player to watch who's, whose stock seems to have just skyrocketed uh, is Tyrell Terry. Uh, I love Tyrell Terry. Yeah, yeah, out of Stanford. I think he went to De La Salle. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, yep. So I think he's he's the type of player that you want to take at that 16th area. You know, he does one thing really well. He shoots threes, and then he's got he, beautiful form doing it. Something that's going to translate to the league is he's like Culver's form doesn't look good, so right. you don't know. Tyrell Terry's form looks amazing, so it should translate well. And he shoots right. free throws really well too, which is supposedly the indicator for three point success in the NBA. But yeah, I, I yep. like him as a prospect. He has that one NBA-ready skill that you always talk about, and that's yep. shooting. Yep. And I think if, if they – let's say they maybe decide to trade down from that 16th pick into, into the 20s, um, I'm biased. And it kind of goes against what I was saying before with, uh, uh, with Wiseman. Um, but uh, Daniel Oturu I think would yeah. be fun. Just because he, 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 bring, he would bring – he would really be kind of that, that – or he could be that Clint Capella – Type player, but with a better um, side shot, better yeah. jump shot, um, he and I think he'd bring a lot on defense. Yeah, he doesn't. He hasn't proven to be like an efficient jump shooter, but you've we've seen as a Gophers fans, we've seen the touch from the mid range and from three, and that's right. something that will develop more. He's willing to do it, but he's not overdoing it. And I think mm-hmm. he'd be an interesting prospect. And maybe you could even get him in the second round because we'll have like the thirty third right. pick, something like that. Yep. There's, there's actually a number of guys from Minnesota that are really interesting because Zeke Naji that goes to Arizona is interesting. Yep. Ray Jones. Yep. Be the best, like, pure point guard in the draft, as in, like, facilitating, playing defense, being a mm-hmm. floor general. Do you think – how – do you hope to see one of those Minnesota guys coming to the Timberwolves? Like, that's something I want is to see one of those guys because when yep. Tyus came, there was that – I'm coming home video that came out and like mm-hmm. I just kind of got chills because we watched him play in high school. He went away for college and now he's back to play for the team. Yeah. I think, um, I think if I wouldn't want them to force it, let me put it that yeah. way. Um, I think, uh, you know, you don't want to be the type of person that reaches on a player just because it'll maybe sell tickets. And I think that was a big reason why flip Saunders took, Tyus Jones to begin with because if I remember right they they made a trade with Cleveland so they like traded back into the first round to get him yeah uh, if I recall I'm not Uh, I don't remember either but yeah he they feel it felt like they made a point to draft Tyus yep to get to get butts and seats and and stuff like that I think um and then he I mean he ended up being a really good player so it was was worth it um but I think if if you're the Timberwolves and you're sitting there at 16 you're like oh we could draft RJ Hampton, or we could take this offer from a team, trade back into the mid twenties, and all of a sudden, no, Tyrell Terry's there, Daniel Oturu's there, Trey Jones is there. Like I said before, you know, the, the Wolves have to—they have to accumulate talent. 
And I think if you look at all three of those guys, they all do one thing, at least one thing really well, and yeah. that you can build up around. Tyrell Terry, it's shooting. Daniel Oturu, it's probably his defense is what teams are – and his athleticism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with Trey Jones, it's kind of like what you were saying before, just that overall facilitator, floor general kind of skill. Um, I think in the – so when I said before, it, you have to draft – uh, production over projection. Um, I think that that really holds true at the beginning of the first round, so maybe the top 10 picks, and then at the end of the second round, maybe the last 10 picks. Um, otherwise, in that middle there, that's when you, you identify one specific skill uh, or a player that has one specific specific skill, and you, you draft that player based on yeah. if you think – you can build up things around them. And I think if you look at those three players in, in particular, they did enough. Um, and even uh, Zeke Nagy as well. Um, you, you look at what they did at the college level and you can say, all right, they do this thing really, really well. And they showed enough to make you think that they could do other things well. As See, well. And with the Wolves pick two years ago, when we drafted a Kogi and Bates Diop, it was kind of backwards. We took someone that was really good at one thing with our first pick, which was um, Akogi. And then the second round, we took Keita Bates-Diop, who is just a solid player in college. So it kind of seemed backwards how we did that. But I agree with you where I think that's the motive we should take into the draft. But I really – I'm not going to sell myself on taking two prospects yet because I don't know what Rosas is going to do. Right. So I'm, I'm very weary. But I do – I selfishly want Oturu to be on the team just because mm-hmm. he is a – maybe he could – I don't know. Maybe he could play some four at times next to Towns. He's not – he's 6'10", so he's big, but he's athletic. He can shoot a mm-hmm. little bit. Maybe you could snag him in the second round, or maybe he doesn't even get drafted. He's one of those guys where I've seen him at 15, and I've seen him undrafted, and this draft right. is just very weird, so – yeah, yeah. I think I think of the th- of the three or four, um, I think Terry would definitely fit the most need, and he'd probably be the player that I'd be most excited for the Wolves to get, um, mostly because he has that one skill that is so very valuable. Yeah. I'd be pumped for Oturu as well. Just, I mean, I brought him up, yeah. um, but I think his 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 skill set wouldn't be as um, noticeable, and it wouldn't be as impactful right away yeah i agree with um, you know you don't look at rookies and be like okay they're gonna be aces on defense to start it usually takes a few years for for right. rookies to figure out how to play defense whereas with tyrell terry you say get in there shoot and then figure everything else out as and you he go. can be your backup point guard off the bench mm-hmm. you know, i mean i like mclaughlin a lot of people like mclaughlin depending how you see it but maybe tyrell could be that backup point right. guard the 16th yep. pick, I also talked in depth about like Sadiq Bay, Devin Vassell, Patrick mm-hmm. Williams, those type of like three and D wing prospects. And mm-hmm. my favorite Sadiq Bay, but that's yep. another that's a mold of a player I would want to see on the Wolves yep. at yep. like that 16 pick. So yep. yeah, if they keep that that middle round pick, I think you have to look at the best three and D players that are available. Because at least the best three players. Yeah. And, <laughs> there's like some mold where we need like a three, four type that mm-hmm. I think some of those players could play a little bit of four as well. Cause yep. there are some lengthy defending type players. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, overall that's, 
So that's really all I can say about those draft picks that I didn't say like last week, but it yep. seems like a lot, a lot of Wolves fans have that same feeling of like draft the best player available right mm-hmm. away and then find a, a talent to go off later. Yep. But all right. Well, I think that's all we got today. So thanks everybody for tuning in unless you have something else to add, Lucas. No, uh, just uh, check out the new website. Uh, check out all the um, all the new content we'll be putting up there. I know we have a, a lot of uh, new new faces joining the crew to help us pump out more content, and uh, I think uh, people enjoy it. Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. So everybody, you know, make sure you check it out. We'll be posting regularly. We're trying to get back into the swing of how things used to be, rather than periodical posting and everything like that. So expect stuff almost every day. So. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.